Pass, pass, pass. Pass the poutine. Pass is the poutine. Fries, cheese curds, and chicken gravy. Pass is the poutine. Hi everyone, it is Nina, your host of Pass the Poutine Podcast. Today we have two very special guests. We have Amber, who is Indigenous woman of Canada, native. And we have Kennedy, who is a white woman. <laughs> so today we were just thinking about talking about like what life is like growing up like on a reserve because you know I'm Asian. Kennedy also says like she doesn't know a lot about native culture and stuff like that. And, and I also don't. So I was hoping today, Amber, you can enlighten us. I get awkward doing these things. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. So you were telling me you grew up on a reserve. So first off, for people that like don't really know, what is a reserve? Um, it's an area of land where First Nations people were forced to live back in the old days, away from like all the European settlers, I guess, that were coming in, into Canada. And, and we still live there now. Okay, so you were you born and raised on a reserve? Yeah. So how long have you lived on a reserve then? Um, I lived on the reserve. Well, actually, I lived on two different reserves. I lived on uh, one in Chehalis for like a year or two. And then I lived in Abbotsford for like my whole life. So like 22 years. Wow, man. So yeah. so what was life like on a reserve? Like what does a reserve look like? Like what is the culture there and the environment? Honestly, it looks pretty run down. Like all those houses are old. Like a lot of people don't like can't really afford to get renovations. So like mm. the outsides of like all these houses look kind of dumpy. But you know, <laughs> dumpy. Okay, <laughs> it's all like it's all like old and worn out. But I mean, like some people like build new houses or like I don't know. I don't. I haven't been into a lot of people's homes on the reserve. All mm-hmm. I know is what mine looks like, which is. Do you have any guess on when most of those houses might have been built? Like, how long ago those might have been built? I actually don't know. Like, the house that I grew up in was built in, like, the 80s or, like, before the 80s or something. And then, like, there's we have another house beside that house where, like, my grandparents and my uncles and my dad lived before. And then they built a new house right beside it. Yeah, like, because... You mentioned, like, you live on houses and reserves. And I think, like, when people think reserve, like, they might think, like, oh, you live in, like, teepees or, like, tents. Oh, what do you have to say to people who think like that? I don't know, man. I just kind of disregard that. Like that's so stereotypical. Like we don't live, we don't live in, we don't live in teepees, and like I don't go hunting with my wolf every day. And you don't? No. Did you have a wolf though? No. It's it's BC. <laughs> There's cougars on the reserve. Oh my gosh. So what? Living on the reserve, like, how often did you leave the reserve? You had to get someone to drive you, and if you didn't have your license, then you're screwed unless you want to, like, walk <laughs> yeah. 45 minutes down to the corner to catch the bus. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. And then would the bus, like, even come? Like, does the bus have a set schedule? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, like, every hour or something. Oh, it depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do for fun on the reserve? Play video games. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of video games did you play? Uh, Grand Theft Auto, Final Fantasy VII. I love that. Nintendo, like, Mario, of course. Oh, yeah. Mm. Nice. So you were saying, like, I know life on the reserve, like, besides you know, your normal life and stuff, it's the culture is quite different, and you were telling me how you attended more funerals than weddings growing yeah, up. What is that? What's that like? I think I've only been to, like, one actual wedding on the reserve, and the rest have been funerals. Like, in 2015, I had three funerals happen within a month wow. of oh each other, gosh. and I was, like, like that's my family, too. Your close so, family. Yeah. Is it, well, so, what is the normal, like, cause of death in 
for the funerals? Just, well, actually, um, one of them was drug-related, mm-hmm. was an overdose, and then mm. the, the others were just old age. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, too, there's, like, the suicide rates on the reserve are pretty high, too, so I actually went to one of the funerals with my cousin. Jesus. And like, he was only, like, 16. Yeah. Why I'll do you think th- that is, that the suicide rates are so high on the reserve? I think it's... Partly because of the, like, intergenerational trauma from, like, our grandparents and everyone that went to residential schools. So, so, so what, I is, think what there is, is intergenerational trauma? Tra- I think there's trauma. a lot of abuse on the reserve, like, a, from what I've heard anyway, like, stories that I've heard from other people living on the reserve have been, like, physically abused and, like, mentally and everything, so it's pretty rough. This is really heavy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question, and this is yeah. uh, quite naive of me, or ig- ignorant, I guess is the word, but, like, do you, do the police attend those kind of, those kind of uh, d- domestic or, or, um, oh, uh, violence? The police like, aren't allowed on the reserve. It's the RCMP only. Oh, okay. Oh. And in so the, that means the Abbotsford police is not allowed on the reserve, just no, RCMP No, it's officers. just the RCMP only. And they're like, there's RCMP located in Mission. And mm-hmm. in the times that I've had to deal with them on the reserve, because we actually had to call them a couple times, yeah. it did take them a while to get out there. Because it is us. so isolated. Yeah. Dang. So how often do the RCMP get called to the reserve? Um, I don't actually know, like, I've had it happen a couple times in my house where we've had some, like, incidents and we had to call the RCMP. Uh, I've seen, like, actually just, like, a lot of cops on the reserve because of people that do drugs. So a lot of it's, and, like, drug-related. Yeah, I think so. Do you have much knowledge about that? Like, what kind of, like, what, why is there so much drug-related, um events happening like what kind of drugs are on the reserves like i really don't know mm-hmm. i don't really try to involve myself in that yeah. all i know is that there's <laughs> yeah totally a lot of people that just maybe it's because of what they went through when they yeah. were growing up and just didn't yeah. know how to cope with it or yeah. you know decided to be like one of those kids like experimenting with different drugs and then just got hooked on it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i was um there's this uh, one of my favorite like speakers is this guy named like Dr. Gabriel Mate. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. He so he's like a psychiatrist and he's worked in like the Vancouver downtown east side for like 30 years and he specializes in addiction. And a lot of people view addiction as like, oh, you choose to be addicted and that's why you're on the street and blah blah blah. There's a lot of stigma there, but you know, because he's worked with those people one-on-one for 30 years, uh, I think a lot of the like a lot of people don't realize that addiction is not a choice right it's usually people when they are addicted to something and they decide to take something whether it's like not even just drugs but like food or shopping or something it's to soothe some sort of pain that they have right and his main philosophy is like we shouldn't ask people why they're addicted we should ask them why they have the pain like i know on my podcast i talk a lot about like feelings and like family and you know like asian families are just like hey shut up you're not allowed to have feelings, right? I, like, was on a boat for 30 days trying to survive, so you're not allowed to feel sad. So I feel like in Asian culture, uh, our parents are just like, you just go to school, just be a doctor, and then, like, shut up and stop disappointing me. Uh, and I wonder what or how... It's pretty rough. Yeah, it's pretty... Yeah, no, like, <laughs> Asian... Crazy. Yeah, Asian people are like, you're not yeah. allowed to have feelings. Like, I've talked to... I've had... I've, I have so many friends that are like, I don't talk to my parents, they don't know anything about their kids, and... 
And I think it goes back to similar to the, what you said about like intergenerational trauma, right? Like even in Asian culture, there's so much of that, mm-hmm. like trauma and like and feelings are just not ever expressed. Uh, but I, w- I was wondering what that's like in native culture. Like, do you guys talk about feelings? Is it more open? Because I know Kennedy here, like uh, white families, <laughs> like are more open to talking about feelings. Not not all of them, of course, but in general, like if. Like, I would talk to a white person, they'd be more likely to call their parent a friend than if I had to ask an Asian person. Totally. That, right? Totally. Yeah. So, Amber, like, what's it like in, in on the reserve? Do you guys talk about feelings? Not really. Well, I was never really, like, talking to my dad or, like, my grandparents about what I was feeling, what was going on. Like, for me, it was just kind of, I'm just going to deal with this on my own and not worry them about it. But would your parents ever, like, ask you, like, hey, how was, like... How's school today? Or, like, what'd you do with your friends? Or were they just, like, ignore you or neglect you? No, they, well, obviously, I think, like, most parents are like, oh, what did you do in school today? How was school and everything? Yeah, yeah. And what did you learn today? Like, that's kind of how my dad was, but I didn't grow up with my mom. So it was different living on the reserve. And then when I actually did live with my mom for, Mm -hmm. like, a couple years, she was more, like... I'm here if you ever want to talk about anything, and she never forced me to, so Damn. that kind of invited me to talk to her about things growing up. Right. Like, well, yeah. what, what would like, you talk I about? I actually, like, talked to her about a lot of things. Like, like sex. Like, yeah. You talked to your mom about sex? Well, I told her when I lost, or when I lost my virginity, in quotes, because... In quotes. Because... No man is powerful enough to change <laughs> my self-worth or anything, so... <laughs> I told her about that, and she asked me if I was, you know, like, use her condom, and if I was going to go on the pill and stuff, and yeah. that was pretty much it. Wow. Or, you know, I've talked to her about when I've had pregnancy scares, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me, I haven't done my yeah. period, yeah. and I don't know if the condom broke or whatever, yeah. and she's just, whatever happened, Do you happens. think that's common for most people in your position to be able to, t- to speak with their mom or their parents about that kind of thing? Yeah, do you think, like, like your other, other kids that live on the reserve? I really don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't, I never really talked to any of the other mm-hmm. kids on the reserve. We were all kind of close. Like, one of me and my one cousin, we were really close for a while. And after that, like, I was just kind of in my house and I didn't go out and hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. But that, that's kind of surprising for me to hear. Like, your parents, they're. It's kind of it's kind of different because like my dad's like you know if you want to talk to me like I'm here you can talk to me like anytime I don't care what day or like what time it is like if you need to call me you can call me oh my god but it's like I don't like talking Mm -hmm. about anything to anyone right and then there's like the times when I go see my mom for a little bit and I'll just like unload all this stuff that's been happening and then I'll be (laughs) fine for the next like month or two (laughs) and it sounds like your mom came into your life later later on for the most part is that Um, right you became closer with her later I've like my mom lived in the states, or she would live in like Surrey, so I didn't really get to see her that often. Do you think developing like that relationship with her later on, because you guys maybe weren't as close earlier on, like you guys were able to see each other more as like equals, like as adults? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like she wasn't always around, being like, "Hey, did you do your homework? Hey, did you clean your room? Blah blah blah, stuff like that." Um, I don't know, because I did actually live with her for, like, a couple years, Mm -hmm. and she wasn't like that. She was more like, oh, just make sure that you're cleaning your room and doing your laundry. You know, if there's dishes, then just make sure that you're doing your own dishes and making sure you're showering and eating and stuff. It was 
I don't know. My mom has always been like the one person that I feel like she sounds dope. She, yeah, your mom sounds dope. Can I have your mom? I want your mom. <laughs> well, apparently she's scary looking, so <laughs> guess that's where I get it from. Dang. Oh my gosh! Wow. So I guess like I, I don't know if we could apply to like um, native culture, but it sounds like you definitely had like an environment in your family that was open to talking about feelings. If you can talk about issues like sex, because I don't know, I don't know any of my Asian friends that talk to their mom about sex, like literally zero. Yeah. And I'm Asian in Vancouver and there's a lot of us. (laughs) I know this topic is a little bit dark, but I wanted to talk, I wanted to ask you about residential schools. Um, because I know you're, you're quite young. So you were saying how you didn't go through it yourself and your parents also did, but your grandparents did. My parents did not. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out that one of my uncles like hid my mom and her siblings away so they wouldn't have to be forced to go to wow. a residential school. So, so how was that process? Like, how did it work? So, so I guess like the Canadian government just came and like took children away and like forced them to go to school. Yeah, they like I actually have seen like images on like the internet of like these tiny little handcuffs for children to be taken away to go mm. to a residential school. I saw you post that. That's ridiculous. So is the idea then they come and literally knock on their door? I guess all I know is that like all the children were forced wow. to go like taken into like RCMP cars or something and then mm-hmm. brought to the residential school and they were there for up to like 10 months at a time or something. Oh my gosh. So did your, cause I know like we were talking about intergenerational trauma and like, even though your parents didn't get to go, like they were raised by people that did go through that. Right. And so you, did your parents ever talk about what it was like having their parents kind of go through such a traumatic experience? Um, that was something that wasn't really talked about in my house. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? It's not really something that you would want to talk about. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened, and I don't know what other people have gone through, but I do have this book about this. It's a memoir of this guy, and he went to residential school. In Canada. Yeah. Yes. So the only thing that I really know is that there is a lot of abuse, and it just sounds like being tortured. So a lot of kids at the school like oh, tried yeah. to commit kids, suicide. No, like some kids did commit suicide mm-hmm. and other kids like tried to run away from this school to get back home and then ended up dying on the journey because you know oh. no food, no water, don't know where you're going, and how kids. far you are. Yeah, yeah. and they're kids. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. to mention sicknesses and illnesses that oh yeah, go course. untreated and because you're saying how like when you were in school, so you went to, did you go to school on the reserve as well? There aren't schools on the reserve. Okay, so... Well, actually, they're in the one reserve that I did live at, there is a school, but it's only because, like, this reserve is, like, 40 minutes away from, like, Mission or something, and then, like, another, okay. like, 30, 35 just to get to Agency. So it was, like, right in the middle of, like, nowhere. But I remember, like, when I was going to school, we did talk about residential schools, but I feel like it was very, like, glossed over. I don't know what was your experience like, Kennedy. Um, For me, um, I actually went to elementary school uh, in Mission, British Columbia, where there is the ruins of a previous uh, residential school. So it was always talked about. It was always kind of like this big myth that everybody like nobody knew what it was nobody like my age obviously in elementary school was educated about it Mm -hmm. but we would go to it's called heritage park and we could see the ruins and you can walk over them and things like that and like you know that something's happened there but we didn't understand like the magnitude of it and like you do like further in high school we touched on it in social studies and things like that but that wasn't 
our focus and it was very like like you said glossed over yeah and i also graduated in 2015 the same year yeah the same year the same age yeah so i'm not sure if they they would have um taught more uh Mm. once we left i hope that they oh yeah maybe um, it's funny because uh, it's like me and Kennedy are sitting here. It's like, hey, Amber, you're the ambassador of all the Native people. Please tell us everything. But, <laughs> but also, like, um, you probably get that everyone assumes that you know everything about Native culture because you are Dude, Native. Okay, don't even get me started. <laughs> right from elementary school yeah. all the way up until high school, whenever we start talking about First Nations people and, like, the histories and stuff right. and everyone, you know, like, yeah. okay, kids, it's time to, like, get started on your book work and here's your assignment. And then there'd be, like, all these, like different kids staring at me and I'm like what do you want and they're like well you know everything because you're native right I'm right like, okay, that's not how it works <laughs> right so right. and you can do your own work like you're not gonna copy <laughs> off of me and then like okay how do you feel about because a lot of people were like oh you're native that means you get all the money from the government you never have to pay taxes and things like that like uh what money from the government <laughs> tell <laughs> me where this money is I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah so everyone assumes like native people have all this privilege and stuff yeah. Dispel, dispel the stereotypes. Well, I don't know where you, what money you're talking about. I did get, okay, in uh, 2015, for like a long time, we did get government settlement money that got distributed to everyone out on the reserve. I think it's from forcing us to live on a reservation. Oh. Other than that, I don't know where, uh, what money is. And when you say you got that for for a long time or a while, how long would you guess? I think it was just you received that for. I don't know when they actually got it because I didn't really know much about it. The only thing that I found out was when it was close to being like distributed to everyone, is we had to vote or something if we wanted to get it that year or if we wanted to wait a little bit longer for like the money to accumulate to be a little bit more or mm. something. I don't know. I didn't I really see. know much because I was still young and knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And does that to you like justify what they were? what they had done i don't really know what else they could do mm-hmm. right could, like just throw money at it and then everything is gonna be okay <laughs> the canadian I mean, government is yes. so asian <laughs> that's what asian people do just throw money at people and be like you're good right here's a thousand dollars now shut up yeah damn i mean i can get tax-free stuff if i go to like um Chilliwack to like eat a landing as long as i have my status card then i can get taxes off of things so that's about it it doesn't just work everywhere right. and what's a status card for people who don't know it's a card saying that you are an indian how do you it get is your that? indian status <laughs> You know what? I can show you what mine is. Dude, looks show like it too. to me. Yeah, I want to see. It is literally a card that was given to like First Nations people saying, like, yeah, just clarify, this is me. I'm in quotes, an Indian. Yeah. How do you feel about being called an Indian? I don't like it. <laughs> I think it's kind of offensive. Okay. Like, can you tell me like, why? To be honest, like, yeah. I'm not an Indian. Like, I'm a First Nations person. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an Aboriginal woman. I'm an Indigenous woman. Yeah. I'm not an Indian. That's kind of like a stereotype like from when they actually like came into canada and like oh these are just a bunch of indians and now it's like Mm. i still hear some people saying that and it's kind of like a racist term to me like it's offensive yeah no no total and and the thing is like there's also a country called india yeah well i mean (laughs) so it's like a little bit confusing too i oh amber just gave us her status card. What does it look like, Kennedy? Can you describe it? So it's a, uh, it it's like, like a laminated a, piece of paper that's like, like a medical card. Yeah, right? it's like credit card size, yeah. um, and it just has basic information like name, uh, registry number. It has her photo, birthday, 
um, the group. The reserve yeah, the group that Ooh. she's registered to. Her signature, that kind of thing. The date that it's issued. Does it expire? Yeah. It's, it expires. What the fuck, right? So that's the thing I don't get with like Canadian documents is like, so your so your your status as an Indian woman expires. Yeah. Like, so I guess when this expires, that means that I'm no longer a First Nations person until right, I go yeah, get it. Yeah. Right. So I wonder if that's just to update the information in the photo and things like that. Yeah, it, it is just for the picture. Yeah. How long does it uh, expire? Like, how long does it, can you have it for? Um. Well, this one expires in 2022, but there is like an actual like when it, you know like your driver's mm-hmm. license, yeah. like that type of. I don't even know what this material is. But oh, you know, like the thicker plastic, the, Yeah, the right? thicker plastic. You can get uh, one of those types of status cards as well, but I think they cost a little bit more. But they oh, last man. for like 10 years, and they're yeah. better. And so how much... How, like how much aboriginal do you need to have in you in order to <laughs> yeah, in order exactly. to get a status card right like, right exactly like can you be like because i know like 67? i i no. i would obviously not be eligible for a status card but yeah, there but, is but but First kennedy yeah kennedy looks very white but you were saying yeah. how you're yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah super white um but you were saying how your grandma yeah, my grandma, my grandma's father, so my great grandfather oh, okay. yeah. was um, First Nations and like fully First Nations. Yes, yeah. yes, um, I believe so. I could be wrong on okay. that. Don't okay. don't quote me on that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that would make you like one eighth technically, right? I I think technically, but I remember it being even smaller than that <laughs> i think it was closer to 116th okay. yeah 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 so if if would kennedy be able to get like an indigenous woman's status think card qualifies you no. yeah do to you be know? considered i think that it, i think that we looked into it a few years back or back when i think it was a few years back when i was in elementary school and yeah, you had to years. you had yeah. to check Two off yeah you had to yeah. check off the boxes right, um right. so one of the things um on i remember on the paperwork in our elementary school is you had to check off if you were of aboriginal descent and they mm-hmm. would um take you into a different class sometimes out of your regular class and um oh, yeah and they would take what? you to this a thing called an aboriginal What's room an aboriginal so it's room? another Educate classroom okay. and so if you had aboriginal in your background and your parents selected this on on your paperwork you were sometimes taken out of class to learn we, we different things well, and i actually got to go on like field trips and mm-hmm. stuff all the time and if i like you know if i was having like a hard day like especially in high school and I would just be like, hey, can I go work in the Aboriginal room? And they'd be like, yeah, 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 that's fine. You can just go in there until oh, the next nice. uh, class starts. I know my younger cousins would do, like, they were taught wood carving and stuff like that in, in, elementary, in elementary school in the Aboriginal yeah, room and like things like that. Like, they teach the culture. Classes, yeah. yeah. It sounds so fun. It's, it's an amazing <laughs> idea. Amazing. It gives them a safe place. It gives yeah. kids a safe place. You know what I right, mean? And it's, can, yeah. Oh, to learn about their culture exactly like that's awesome oh, yeah all these classes always happened around like lunchtime whenever like i was in high school yeah. like they made drums taught the language mm-hmm. and everything so yeah oh absolutely. that's so were your teachers like in the aboriginal room were they aboriginal um, the, the lady that i that was in my school i'm pretty sure she was aboriginal okay i think most of the people um i've been to a few different schools and i think most of them are aboriginal yeah, and nice. sometimes there's 
um, like helper teachers yeah. um, who kind of assist with just the um, number of students. You know what I mean? But they do they do try to get somebody who's really passionate. Cool. Yeah, no, because I like the reason I asked is just like I feel like when I was in school, like my French teacher didn't really speak French or my Spanish <laughs> yeah. teacher didn't speak yeah. French. And I don't know yeah. if it would be like a similar situation. Well, I mean, I mainly just went in there to get some snacks. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would do. Right? Imagine if there was like a an Asian room and I just go and eat pho there. That'd be <laughs> sweet. So I'd love that. One yeah. of the nice things about the Aboriginal room though is if like students couldn't afford like lunches or whatever, mm-hmm. then they actually like offered it to them too. Great. Yeah. And I actually had to do that a couple times. So awesome. it was pretty nice. Yeah. I no. mean the sandwiches weren't didn't taste the best, but it was still a, like yeah. a nice option knowing that if you mm-hmm. don't have anything you should just go there and just yeah. I think that was a really great way of like creating a safe space um for Aboriginal kids as well as like recognizing that a lot of the families were struggling. I don't know about yeah. everywhere, but where right. I was was growing up, like a lot of the Aboriginal families were really struggling and so a lot of them didn't didn't have enough money for lunch, right? And so mm-hmm. Just being able to like get that meal in. I say that's pretty true. It is kind of a real struggle, like living on the reserve, and like the stereotype is that like oh, all natives are just on welfare and you know can't afford anything. They're all drug addicts and alcoholics and stuff. Yeah, how do you feel about those kind of like when people because when people talk about native people, like even Asian, I feel like Asians. Like I talk about race a lot and like how I feel, but. Like, because I talk to so many Asians, like, we hella racist. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, Asians, we're so racist. Like, even within our own, like, the Vietnamese hate the Chinese, they hate the Koreans. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, and then when I talk to Asian people, they have a lot of judgments about Native people. And they they say, like, Like (laughs) yeah, shocker. Tell me more. (laughs) I need to hear this. (laughs) So when you, like, when, so do you feel like when you're out in public, like, people just might stereotype you because you're native right because you look oh, yeah, very native because i know a lot of like in canada we have people that are i'm one hey. eighth native and they're, they're they look fully white but you look native okay you know sure. what's funny though yeah. i get mistaken for east indian all the time i apparently wow, don't really? look native yeah like that's I, crazy okay. to me you don't look east indian i worked at mcdonald's for two and a half years <laughs> yeah. and let me just say every time i was working in the drive-thru if there's like you know this nice east indian family they're yeah. coming through and they started speaking to me in like punjabi punjabi or and stuff yeah. and they just like be staring at me and wondering why I'm not answering I'm like I'm sorry I don't know what you're saying I don't know like yeah the only thing that I know is English or they'd be like when did your family come to Canada I'm like <laughs> I'm like hey hey no no I was born here wait okay besides you being born here you're native okay <laughs> hey no no they were like how long have you been in Canada for or when did you come here I'm like hey I was so I was funny. born here and they're like oh well, when did your parents come here I'm like hey I know I'm First Nations yeah so you said you were First Nations yeah and, and I'm then... like I live on the reserve five minutes away from here oh my god what how did they respond they're like oh I'm so sorry you, we hilarious. thought you were East Indian like no oh. worries man it's you know mistakes happen that's so meta though that was at Wadcom that was at Wadcom yeah <laughs> you just know that's, that's so funny like I have a Korean friend she moved um, and she lived in like Fort St. James for a little bit which I've never even heard of have you guys heard of I where is that it's like northern BC somewhere I don't People know where, though 
I don't know. <laughs> All right. And then she's Korean, right? She's a Korean international student. And then, like, everyone would ask her, like, hey, where are you from? Where are you from? Right? She's, I'm from Korea, blah, blah, and, But she, like, because Korea is the second most homogenous country in the world. So they, I feel like they uh, don't like, really know a lot about a lot of people from outside. I might have to cut this part out. <laughs> um, anyway, so she's from Korea. And then she, she said in that town there were a lot of native people. Like, now she knows they were native people. But she didn't know. Because yeah. she just, in her mind, like, in Korea and Japan, and Asia they just think Canada America white people yeah right they don't even know about native people right yeah. so when she was there that's hilarious that's right so when she was there she would there was a lot of native people and then she'd be like where are you from like she would ask native people where they're from all the time and I'm like that's that's so crazy to me I feel wow. like the real question is like whenever you see someone else like what country did you come from where's yeah, your family from because yeah. I'm first nations I'm from Canada no you were from Canada before it was called Canada exactly <laughs> right? like, where did you come from you're like actually this is not well, called Canada exactly <laughs> like like, yeah, so that's that's kind of hilarious, man. But um, I know, like, within Asian culture, like I said, we're very, like, racist, and there's, like, the whole hierarchy, like, these Asians are better than... And a lot of it has to do with, like, skin color, too. Like, if you have lighter skin, you're, like, rich and privileged, oh. blah, blah, blah. Do you have something similar in Native culture? Um, I don't know. I think, a, I think it's... A lot of people are just kind of racist in general. I don't really think it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. depends on, like what race you're from but Mm -hmm. i mean i think it's definitely hard if you're like half native and like you're half white or something because you still get discriminated against like oh Mm -hmm. well you're not native enough and you're not white enough to be considered like part of this one race yeah yeah i don't i need to get someone who's like half native on the podcast to like ask them what that's like because i'm trying to get a half asian too because even within the asian community if you're half white and you're half asian like when i look at a half white half asian person and i'm like oh you're you're white like i see white right but then but then kennedy when you look look at someone who's half asian half white you probably see more asian probably right I would. yeah so, i think so, you probably would yeah it's the whole like halfy thing like they don't mm-hmm. really belong anywhere yeah. Yeah, yeah. You but, should get someone who's like Métis to come on here and talk about their experiences because I I don't know anything about Métis people. Hook me up. Hook me up. You guys know a Métis person? Oh, Let's do it. My fiance is Métis. Is it? Okay. Next him. next episode. Next episode. Him. He. Him. He. He said it. It. Oh. <laughs> him. English is hard. Okay. I think it's. I don't actually know what they could have gone through. Like I don't know if Métis people like live on a reserve or whatnot too. Um, I just kind of feel like it wasn't as hard for them to grow up on the reserve. If, if with, they did grow up within the like a yeah, if they didn't, because like it was really hard growing up on the reserve. For but you. I mean, yeah, like for me. But at the same time, like whenever like someone like my friend in middle school and high school, she was Métis, and everyone would be like, "Oh, how come she's going in there with you? Like this is the Aboriginal room." Like, well, she's Métis, and they're like, "Well." She looks white. I'm like, I don't care what she looks like. She's right. still Métis. Right. Okay, for those who are listening and don't know, what is Métis? Uh, Métis is Native and French. So, so... Like, when, like, European settlers and stuff were coming here, like, I'm pretty sure, like, but, like, don't quote me on this. Like, mm. I've kind of read and heard that when they did come here that, like, Native women got raped by them so that's how come metis kids were born was from that 
Yeah. So, so what I heard um, with my very limited information about everything uh, was that, yeah, like the the French came to. It was mostly in Quebec, right? And they would rape like a bunch of native women, and then the kids would be considered Métis, and then everyone would be like Métis women are like the hottest women in Canada or something like that. It was like a it's a guy thing, I think, because they're like this like a little bit. They have like a little bit of olive skin, and then they speak French and all of this and that. What's wrong with white skin? <laughs> What's wrong with white skin? What's oh, wrong man. with my skin? What's wrong with your skin? Am I not dark enough? Um, but I do have a question for you going back a couple topics here. Okay, wait, let me just say this. Yeah, it sucked growing up and like going out and going to canoe races and going to the powwows with my mom because I would get so tan, I actually looked so native. Oh my gosh. <laughs> for like a little while. Like I have pictures of myself when I was in elementary school mm-hmm. and I was so dark. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, in the, just like when you were living on the reserve, because um, I, okay, when you were living on the reserve, when the boys and the girls, when they were dating and stuff, did the boys like the girls that had lighter colored skin? Was there kind of that thing going on or no? I'm pretty sure we're all family on the reserve, so. Oh, <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, um, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm related to everyone on the reserve. So, like, you won't see me caught dating a native person because chances are they're probably my family. Oh, so so I guess there wasn't a lot of dating on the okay, reserve wait, then. Let me just say, I have a big family. I have not met all of my family. Like, I have states <laughs> down, or, like, I have family down in, like, LaConnor and Yakima and then, like, Matsquee and Chilliwack and Vancouver and in Chehalis and then Abbotsford. So it's, like... Understood half of those cities. Who can I? <laughs> if I wanted to date a native person, who am I gonna date? Mm, that's like true. you that's know, safe. like start talking to some person out in like a different province or something. Like, hey, uh, maybe we can date because we're both native. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh Kennedy, God. you you were asking a question. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna ask um if you found that there was a difference in like beauty standards for first nations women compared to the maybe typical western media i've never heard anyone talking about what it like a beautiful native woman should look like the only thing that like some dude one time gave me this compliment when i was hanging out in front of arc by my high school this dude comes is like walking by and he's staring at me and i'm just sitting there with my friend and you know we were like bad kids so we're sitting out in front of the building smoking mm-hmm. and this dude just keeps walking by and then i like turn to her i'm like what is this what is this guy's problem why is he staring like is he staring at me or is he staring at you like does he want something is it because we're smoking yeah then he comes back and he's like do you mind me asking you something like uh yeah okay and he's like are you native I'm like yeah mm-hmm. he's like you look like you're a native from the plains i'm like well what the hell does that mean yeah what does that mean and then when i asked my dad about it he said that was like one of the highest compliments that you could receive as like a first nations person because i guess people from the plains take really good care of themselves and stuff and i'm oh. like okay well i'm here with my face caked in like makeup and i'm sitting here smoking so is that classified as me taking good care of myself that's like because it's kind of oh man is that would you consider that a compliment kennedy because it's kind of like someone being like you're cute for an asian girl you know what i mean like it's kind of like a backhanded compliment right oh yeah i didn't think about it that way because because what he's really saying is like you're not like the other native 
right? You look like you're from the plains. Did like, you get that impression that that was yeah. that that was what he was meaning? Uh, normally, whenever people say like stuff like that, or if it's like an ignorant comment, then I just kind of disregard and ignore it because it's not really worth my time. So much has happened, right? Like so much is going on, and there's a lot of dark like issues surrounding like what has happened. And I wanted to talk a little bit about like the murdered missing Indigenous women in Canada. Do you guys talk about that? And like, what do you know about that, Amber Kennedy? I personally, Kennedy, am very, <laughs> very uneducated about it. And it, like it almost disgusts me how uneducated I am about it because You're it's something so that's, that's happening, you know, right here and right now. And I, I was driving through Chilliwack maybe two weeks ago. I'm really bad with time. Could have been three years ago. I have no fucking clue. Anyways, and um, there's... <laughs> Right by the by the red barn, but I anyways I noticed like they have a big um, what are those things called Banners? like a big screen oh. um, that a yeah like a big billboard screen that like projects different images and different ads and stuff mm. like that and there was an image of like two missing uh, indigenous women that oh they were gosh. looking for and um, I noticed that driving by that was the third time that I've seen different indigenous women pinned on that on that yeah on that billboard and I thought that was absolutely insane and I'm like why aren't we hearing about this if you see a pretty little white girl with blonde hair go missing everybody and their dog fucking knows you know what I mean like where the fuck is (laughs) Jessica like we need to find her like it's like no (laughs) Jessica has an older brother named Jason he misses his little sister but like what's going on why aren't we talking about this why aren't we learning about it why is this not like a bigger thing yeah exactly what's what is going on i think all of the like indigenous stuff that happens just it's like swept under the rug and no one talks about it like even still like no one knows a lot about residential schools too right so nobody knows really what happened and we can't keep pretending like the last school didn't just shut down almost like 23 years ago yeah. 24 years ago that recent yeah. that recent it oh was that God. close yeah. that if i they, didn't know it was that yeah, recent if sure. they had kept them open there was probably a good chance that like me and my sisters would have been forced to go there yeah too. absolutely <laughs> there is a pipe plant on the reserve like right beside my house like people complain about hearing the ambulance sirens and the police sirens i grew up living next to a fucking pipe plant that worked 24 7 oh jesus nothing bothers me anymore like growing up (laughs) hearing that like all the time it's like whatever man like nothing's new and there was um at one point there was also a brick plant on the reserve as well and there is a asphalt plant too and these is all like Within, like, three minutes of where my house is. My grandpa worked at this plant for, like, I don't know. I don't even know how long. But anyway, he just worked at this plant for, like, a good portion of his life. So he didn't even have to leave the reserve. He just, like, walked, like, a minute, and he was at work. Oh, man. That's Asian style. (laughs) Yeah, Asian. Well, they'll, like, they'll ship you. So, uh, like, when I was in Korea, like, office workers would work... um, like 12 hour days and they'd literally feed you every single meal there just to like keep you working and then sometimes if you lived far away they would have buses to like drive you home and stuff like that just because your whole life is dedicated to the company do you ever wonder like what life would have been like in society if it had mainly been first nations yeah i do because like all of the culture has been lost from everyone being forced to go to residential schools like i know really like 
the bare minimum about my culture. So, I mean, and I can imagine native, what a, yeah. yeah, and I'm native. Like, I grew up on the reserve. So exactly. at residential schools, they they were very encouraged to to shed was, their culture. Was that is that right? Assimilate the kids yeah. into being like a white person. Mm-hmm. Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Canadian. So that's where the abuse and everything was based. Yeah, like you could get in trouble for speaking your language and getting in trouble for not understanding what they were saying. It's like right. obviously, I don't know what you're saying in English because I don't know. Like all I grew up was hearing like native language, so. Of course, like, all these kids were getting in trouble for speaking their own language. Mm-hmm. Like, they all got their hair, like, chopped off and, like, oh, man, the physical abuse. Yeah, that's crazy because, like, because I'm, I'm Vietnamese. My family's from Vietnam. Uh, I was born and raised in Canada. So being born and raised here, I was like, am I Vietnamese? Like, am I Canadian? I wish I was white. Like, why am I not white? But I'm, like, Asian. And then, um, so when I finally graduated university, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Vietnam. I'm going to learn about <laughs> what Vietnamese people do and blah, blah, blah. But, like, for me, I had that option, right? I had that yeah. option to, like, okay, yeah. I don't feel, like, super Canadian and I don't feel Vietnamese, but let's learn about Vietnam. But for you, like, you what don't, you don't, ha- do? yeah, like, you don't have an option to, like, hop Where on a plane and, like, find your First Nations people and, like, learn about that culture. No, because That's a lot so of, crazy. a lot of it has died. A lot of it mm-hmm. is still dying out from right. living on the reserve. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like... We're resilient too, man. Yeah, like, no, y'all we're resilient as back. fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I a lot of it has been lost, and I actually do wonder, like, what it could have been like, like a couple hundred years ago, when mm-hmm. it was just like living on the land, and you didn't have to worry about like money and like you know looking good and having all these like fancy clothes and stuff, because right. you'd be just like living your life, hunting like, and like yeah. building things Absolutely. out of like building mm-hmm. your own house and like mm-hmm. being around just like your family and just being right. peaceful, you know? Yeah. Eating fish. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fish is great. Fish is great. <laughs> well, thank you, Amber and Kennedy, for coming with me today. And, like, us. well, yeah, totally. Like, Amber, I'm like so appreciative that you're here and you got to, like, shed some light about like first nations and you know to people like me and and you, kennedy you're so smart you don't give yourself enough credit oh my gosh, but I'm just so glad you're both so smart <laughs> no like this is great because i feel like um like people have a lot of stereotypes and judgments about like different groups of people in general and i feel like if we can just sit together and like try to get to understand each other as humans it would help us like understand and decrease the amount of judgment oh. right and, and i feel like it's okay to just have conversations and not like judge people and just try to understand and, and yeah. everything. That's I love that. You guys are so Aww. wonderful. <laughs> okay. Okay, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Pass the Poutine Podcast. I'm your host Nina and I will see everyone on the next episode. Bye. Pass, 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 pass the poutine. Pass the poutine.